Hey, it's John Richards. I got above horror review episode number 27. We are talking about Scream 4 from 2011. Bringing in special guest Bob from Straight Chillin' Podcast. Got to thank Bob, Randy, and Soju for bringing us together. But we had to bring him in for this one because he loved this. He loves this movie so much. We're going to talk about it. So Scream 4 2011 episode 27 for a cut above horror review and it starts right now what's your favorite scary movie cut my life into pieces good evening and welcome to a cut above horror review a podcast where we review all things horror i'm your host jacqueline and tonight we will be discussing the film scream 4 from 2011 but first let's meet everyone else on the show First, I'm very, very happy to introduce a very, very special guest, Bob from the Straight Chillin' Podcast, back for a glorious return. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on again. I guess I didn't make a big enough fool of myself last time. I'll have to try harder. <laughs> Welcome. No, we're, we're really excited to have you. Um, as, as you well know, we all look up to you and we all love Straight Chillin' and this podcast would not exist if Straight Chillin' didn't exist. So we're basically super fans of yours and um, just want an excuse to talk to you and have you on the show. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. The pleasure is all mine. Uh, but if you want to continue waxing my car, that's fine too. Thank you. <laughs> we're like your children. <laughs> my <laughs> children. children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next generation um and i i in particular am and very excited because the last time you were on the show i had a family thing come up and so i wasn't able to be there and so i missed the whole conversation i was really bummed out so um i'm extra excited to have you on today because now i get to review with you the feelings mutual i'm happy to speak with the whole crew today so i look forward to it thanks bob mm-hmm. all right next up we've got Hydra Berg. What's, What's going, going on, on guys? How are you? Uh, how's everybody's weekend? Happy New Year, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Happy New Year. It is, yeah. it is a new year, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say, everybody. Rob, thanks for coming on again. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the new year, this is the first podcast I've recorded in the new year. I assume it's the same for y'all since it's only the second day of the year. But mm-hmm. that's, what an awesome way to break in the, the 2022 podcast season, you know? Oh yeah, it's 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 the only ray of light in a, an otherwise bleak uh, yeah. time for some of us. Um, but I won't get into that. At last but not least, we've got John. What's going on, John? You and your pesky kids with your scream movies. Back in the day, <laughs> we had to watch movies like Sleepaway Camp and Blood Rage, <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that it is not cranberry sauce. Some of us still watch those movies. True. <laughs> yeah. What's going on, guys? Uh, Bob, thank you again for coming on. Hydra Berg, Happy New Year. Jacqueline, Happy New Year. I know you're recording from your phone right now, but yes, uh, this is this is going to be an exciting episode. I'm kind of curious to hear what you guys think about this movie. I can't wait to hear what everybody thinks about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, intros out of the way. John, I think you've got some upcoming uh attractions to talk about yeah actually i one of my uh 
New Year's resolutions was to have news regardless of if the movie sucked or if the news sucked or not. The other thing I wanted to talk about was never, ever go to work after you eat a big bowl of bean soup. Because as <laughs> melodic and as wonderful as the sounds that were made, I don't think all your coworkers will enjoy it as much as you do. You guys don't Thanks get it. Thanks for sharing that Bean universal soup. advice. Yeah, 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 got it. We're, good advice. It. Yeah, but it's a magical. <laughs> so instead of news, I'm going to talk about movies that we have coming up in 2022. Just want to get your guys' real quick thoughts of what you think about it or or how excited you are about it. So we'll start it out because something coming up in 12 days, the new screen, which would be the fifth installment of it. Uh, Bob, scream the new one coming out. Um. This is probably my most anticipated movie of the year. Um, I it's one of my favorite franchises, and we'll you know obviously talk about part four at length here in a minute. Um, I'm very excited to see what Radio Silence does with Scream Five. Um, I'm bummed that Wes Craven's no longer here to continue the franchise on, but I, I have faith in those guys um, and the original trio's returning. So obviously they have faith in them as well. Um, sure. I'm looking forward to it. Jacqueline. Oh yeah. Super, um, anticipating that one. Um, you know, I have my qualms and my fears, but I also have a lot of hope and optimism for it. Um, I think that they, they, they clearly want to do a good job with this and please the fans. So I have my fingers crossed. Hi, your bird. Meh. Are you serious? I'm not a, I mean, I'll get into the review later, but I'm, I'm not the biggest scream guy. Okay. I, I agree with that. I, I'm not the biggest scream guy. I enjoyed, I like the first, we'll one. talk about it more, but yeah, I, I, I'm optimistic about this fifth one that's coming out. So uh, yeah, that's coming out. 12 I, I days. Original about, movies. What's that? I just want to see more original movies. There's so many sequels and remakes coming out this year. It's like, I don't know, whatever. That's fair. Speaking of sequels, Orphan. First kill. Mm. Uh, Hyderberg, I'll, I'm going to have you start out. What? How Orphan I feel about that one? <laughs> I, only, I only seen the first one the once. That's the one about the, the uh, spoilers, the, the woman who's actually looks like a kid, right? Yes. And she's, yeah, she's perpetrating, pretending to be a kid. Uh, there was like sort of like a real uh, a real story about something like that. I remember seeing in the news not, not too long ago. It was like a midget or something like that that was actually older than she was saying. I don't know if it was like the origin from that story or what, but uh, no, it doesn't really interest me that much. Hey, Jacqueline. Uh, no, I, the, the first one didn't really leave much of a lasting impression on me. It was kind of a see it once and then forget about it kind of thing. So not, not piquing my interest. Bob. I never saw the original. I didn't know they're making another one. Um, I don't, know how to feel about it because i didn't see the original so well i just spoiled it for and now you know the whole now you know the <laughs> well i already, I already oh, did no. know it. It, it was spoiled already so you don't have to you know uh, torture yourself with that hydroberg um i'm excited for it i love the first one first one was great to oh. me so so the original or, or the sequel that's fine to me uh jordan peele's new movie coming out called nope uh okay. jacqueline start us off well duh yeah uh yes i'm very excited i'll watch pretty much anything that jordan peele does uh he's directing right he is mm-hmm. okay yeah so if it, if his name is as a producer then i feel like that could go either way but if he's directing he hasn't let me down yet so fuck yeah 
Okay. Bob. Nope is a big yep. I'm, exi- I'm excited. <laughs> totally stole what I was going to say. Sorry, man. <laughs> All right. Hydraberg. <laughs> I'm exactly what Bob just said, basically. A big yes to nope. Yeah. Same here. I'm really, really excited. And uh, this is the last one. Uh, there are a couple more movies coming out, like Evil Dead Rise. What? But I think all of us saw Halloween Kills. Are we excited about Halloween Ends? Bob, kick us off. I feel like there's a 1% chance this movie is going to be good at all. Um, will I see it? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm even looking forward to it, but I think it's going to be pretty rough, to be honest. Right. Heidelberg. Uh, it's a dumpster fire. I'm, I'm calling it now. Got it. Jacqueline. Well, Heidelberg, are you going to see it? If we have to, if we cover it or Bob covers it on his podcast, I probably will. I don't know. Just so I could be in the conversation. Yeah, I might. But that that franchise died off a long time to me. I'll go like I don't. It doesn't do it for me. Understood. Well, yeah. So like Bob, I will definitely see it. I mean, there's no question about that. I might be a little more optimistic than Bob just because, you know, we've heard you guys talk a lot about how this was what do you call it? Like a bridge film between the first entry in the trilogy and the last one. And so I'm hopeful that they'll do some cool stuff to tie up the, the trilogy with Halloween ends. Ugh. I think there's maybe even a 1%. Well, I mean, this trilogy will, <laughs> that's, that's not to say the franchise will, but um, I mean, maybe like a, I'm going to, I'm going to predict an 8% chance that it's good. <laughs> that's low yeah. uh, you guys, you guys, that window for in the beginning till it starts mm-hmm. well you guys What's know that? that my favorite horror movie of all time is halloween so halloween was like like the tip top for me um i saw halloween 2018 it was it was all right um yeah. i i did shit all over halloween kills halloween ends I'm going to go see just because it's so near and dear to my heart, but I just, I I don't have a lot of confidence that it's going to wrap up properly. So there you go. That's news. That's, that's what's coming out. Like I said, there's other movies coming out like the direct sequel of Texas Chainsaw. I think we're all kind of like, no, not feeling that one. Straight to Netflix also. That's right. Mm. Mm -mm. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. That's doing the same thing that Halloween did too. It's like exactly rewriting. Right. Yeah, it's like a direct sequel. It's pretending like two didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. It was I, great. I Are to... you going to get rid of Chop Top like that? I just think at a certain point, it's like an, too much time elapses between these movies. Like it will have been what, 45 years since the original? I mean, that's a pretty fucking long time to wait for a, a sequel, you know? I mean, what can you do when it's 45 years later? Old man Leatherface. I, I don't know. <laughs> not not a compelling pitch for me. So no. I don't know. You go watch that Matthew McConaughey Leatherface. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, watch that. Don't tell people to go watch that. <laughs> Waste of an hour and thirty-five minutes. Mm. Oh gosh. Well, well, I don't know. This might be a controversial opinion, but I like the two thousand and three remake. How do you guys feel about not that? Bad. I don't I hate like it. it. As far as the remakes go, I thought it's not bad. There was really one scene that I enjoyed about it, and it was the gunshot scene at the beginning of the movie. That's I what I liked about visceral that. Visceral kills in it. Like, I don't know. The violence was pretty good, and the cinematography was well done. 
What's the what was the the guy that played the grandpa? Was it R. Lee Emery, the yeah. guy that passed away? Just R. Lee Emery. Yeah, he, he was, was the there, right? sheriff. Yeah, yeah he was the grandpa. He was the sheriff. Oh, okay. He was well, that mean that mean bastard sheriff. I love him. Whatever he does, though. I mean, so do I. He's like the same yeah. character no matter what movie he's in. Mm-hmm. He's just screaming at everybody, but in a hilarious only- way. But he's always, he was actually a Marine drill sergeant. That's why, yeah, he's he actually, you know, he's typecast in that role. So, oh, Betty White. We got to say that real quick. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. All I didn't right, mean to bring this down. Oh, Let's man. pour one out for Betty White because, uh, damn, she's an icon. Always will be. You guys got one of those things. Like next. The what? Yeah, maybe like, we, cover it we might have to. Like, there you go, oh, Hyderberg. She was in that. Yeah. Yes. Not there you go, Hyderberg. Your your pick for next week is decided. <laughs> but I mean, that, I think that really says, yeah, that really says something about you when you're like 99 and people are still shocked that you died. Mm. <laughs> it's true. And upset too, like they wanted yeah. you to live forever. Yeah, I really thought she was going to make it to 100. It was only a couple of weeks away. In my mind, she did. It's 17 days. What is it? You know. She's a hundred. Eh. It's close, close enough. enough. Pour yeah. one out. Pour one out for Betty. Yeah. Betty for sure. Rest uh, in Jacqueline, peace, Betty. so you, you picked this movie for this week. It is Scream 4 from 2011. Uh, please, oh, please tell us why you picked this movie. Well, I think it's partially obvious. Uh, I picked this movie because the next installment in the Scream franchise is coming out on January 14th. And I thought about it and I was like, well do I want to pick the original Scream? But everybody's reviewed that. And I love nothing more than um, Street Chillin's coverage of the original Scream movie. I don't, I didn't feel we needed to do that. I thought about two or three, those are fun. But then I thought, well, why not just do four as kind of like the direct run up to Scream 5? That one doesn't get covered as much. And I thought it would be really fun to talk about. Plus I... Well, never mind. I'm going to hold off on saying what I was going to say. <laughs> I don't want to give away too much just yet, but I thought it would be fun to talk about just in the run up to the next movie coming out, pure and simple. So, yeah, yeah. Next segment. Well, <laughs> fellas, you ready to decide whether this movie fucks or sucks? We are. Yeah. All right, Bob. You kick it off. As our esteemed no. as our esteemed guest, would you like to uh, decide first? Sure. Um, I think this movie certifiably fucks. Um, it fucks so good they're making a fifth. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like we don't all agree with that, but I say it fucks. All By right. that logic, does that mean that the third one fucks also? Sort of. Yeah, because <laughs> they made a fourth one, so it must have. So fucked, you're saying right? it's a flaccid fuck for the fucks third one. well enough, anyway. Yeah. It fucks Jack- well enough for a repeat fuck, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Jacqueline, you pick it. Go ahead. Yeah, I think this movie fucks. Uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff going on here. I, It's definitely not as good as the original, but I think if you're a fan of this franchise, it hits a lot of the reliable stuff that you want to see in it. And so I think if you're a Scream fan, if you if you enjoy this franchise, which some people around here do not, if you like the franchise, I think this is a must-watch. If you haven't seen it yet, you got to watch it. I'm going to throw it to Hyderberg. What do you think, buddy? 
Um, for me, I'm sorry, but this is a flaccid fuck. Um, it just doesn't make me scream its name at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And Johnny, what about you? Yeah, I, I agree with Hydroberg. This is a flaccid fuck. It's enjoyable. It's entertaining, but it's not, it didn't hit my core. What I love about horror movies, but I'll leave it at that. All so right, I'm going right. to. I'm going to drop the spoiler alert. We're going to talk about Scream 4 from 2011. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast, go watch it, uh, check it out, and then come back to find out what we thought about it. And now the moment we've all been waiting for, Hydraberg's Reach Around plot summary. All right, guys. The movie is picked. Its intro is rolling. Interrupted by a phone call. The killer is trolling. In a small town, the police are patrolling. With the slash of his knife, heads will be rolling. There's no way of knowing where the killer is going. To pop up next, it could be your ex. For all that you know, you could be next. Sydney's back in town. Her reputation has taken a hit. So study up on your horror. There's rules to this shit. A couple film-savvy teens are throwing a fit. They want to be Woodboro's next biggest hit. The killer will call with horror trivia. Answer incorrectly and end up gutted like Olivia. Your love of the genre could win, help you win. So make you choose wisely or lose all your skin. The killer might just be your next of kin. I may need to lie down after this rhyme because I'm feeling a little woozy. But first, could you tell me your favorite scary movie? <laughs> Bravo. Very nice. Very nice. I didn't so know good. it was one of your better ones in a while. You had some I very know. clever rhymes there as well mm. as a throwback to the OG. Mm-hmm. Hey. So, pretty so awesome. John, I just want to touch... I think the word franchise is what I don't like about this, this franchise. Like it's such a franchised film series. I don't, it's just very formulaic and it's like fast and the furious to me. Like everyone sort of blends in with one another. I just watched all four recently and I couldn't tell you which one is which to be honest, except for the first one. I don't know how meta you can get. I mean, it's just, it, it goes from meta to meta and yeah, it just right. It is a franchise harm for me. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's one of those things that could kind of hang in the balance and depending on your emotional feelings about this movie, it could seem formulaic and predictable or it could seem like reliable and comfortable in a way. I don't know. I kind of fall on the latter side. Like, I mean, just since we're just jumping right into it, I would say you could definitely complain that this movie doesn't do a whole lot that's like really innovative. Um. But it, I could I could see why that would be like a ding against it. Um, but for me, it's like it just gave me the stuff that I expected and wanted to see. Like, uh, you know, we had a tag team of killers, just like in parts one and two. And there's all these kind of moments like, oh, I'm I'm in the closet, and so then you think you know where it is, and then well, I didn't say which closet, and then he pops out, and it's a you know a decent jump scare. And stuff like that, you know, it's it's nothing new. We've seen it before in the franchise, but it just kind of gives me a, a little a little warm feeling. So I don't know. It works for me, I think, because I'm so emotionally attached to the franchise as a whole, in particular, the first one. Definitely uh, of the same mind here, Jacqueline. Uh, the first Scream movie was a very seminal film for me. Um, I probably saw it when I was 10 for the first time or something, which is like way too young. Um, and it terrified the shit out of me. 
but it always stuck with me. So like as these sequels were released, I would watch them as they would come out. And it like Scream was the first slasher I ever saw. So like I didn't get that it was commenting on other stuff. Um, so like as I went back to watch Halloween and Friday the 13th and all this other stuff, um, it just like became of more and more interest to me. Um, as far as like the franchise goes, like none of the movies are ever going to be as good as the original. That's usually how, how it works. Right. Uh, but I will say something interesting that there's a couple of interesting things I think about the scream franchise, uh, excluding the one that's about to come out. All four movies were directed by Wes Craven. Um, three out of the four were written, uh, by Kevin Williamson, um, they've got the same cast returning primarily anyways, obviously some people die as the franchise goes. So it's like, it's, it retains this like core. And if, if that core of like creatives connects with you, then that's like always there. So you kind of know what you're in for in a positive way, I would say. Um, another thing I can say about the screen franchise that I feel like I can't say about really any other horror franchise is like the movies themselves I, I i feel like as time goes on they become more relevant in a way because uh, like they're obviously commenting on the slasher genre but even above and beyond that i feel like each movie is commenting it, they, they all have their own bits of social commentary in a way so like the first one is touching on like the age-old argument like does media affect people does does monstrous media create monsters? You know, like the killers themselves directly address that. Um, so, I, I mean, that argument, I feel like is never going to go away. People talk about like, you know, comic books, music, movies, video games, violence in media is always a topic of discussion. The second movie, I feel like it talks about like Hollywood's uh, want to cash in on real life uh, horrors and trauma to make a buck because you know the stab movies are introduced in uh, Scream 2. Uh, Scream 3 talks about like more real life horrors going on in Hollywood themselves, um, the, uh, the abuse of actresses and whatnot, and of course living in the Me Too movement uh, with the Weinsteins owning Miramax. Which these movies the, are made by. <laughs> the movies are made by. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, God knows that's more relevant now than it ever has been. Um, or at least more known, you know, than it ever has been. And then I would say, you know, Scream 4 touches on uh, social media and how it affects people's mental health. You know, Jill, our primary killer anyways in this movie, I think she sums up the whole point of the movie at the end where she says she doesn't need friends, she needs fans. I mean, that is the world we live in. I would say when this movie came out in 2010, I saw it and the technology was like a little further along than we really were. Like people weren't walking around able to live stream at any given moment. Um, so have this kid with like the little headset, I was like, I don't know if I really buy into that or if like people really need fans, that's kind of far fetched in 2022. Like that is fact. That is the life that we live. Um, so, I mean, I feel like all these movies are just constantly relevant, maybe a little dated, but constantly relevant. Um, so I don't know. I love the franchise for that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think Wes Craven fucked any of these movies up at all. You know, I, it, you're right. It, it is a social commentary on what was happening at the time. The one thing I did appreciate about, appreciate about this movie is it really was that, you know, technology based society that we live in right now is that, you know, it is followers, it is fans. It's, you know, I, I'm basing my kills off of things that have happened back came out what 96 screen the original yeah. so it's it's like it's basing it off of that and bringing these characters back was 
was the awesome thing. It's just, you know, maybe it's just, I'm not the biggest fan of the screen movies just because there are a lot of homages. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of commentary on, on horror movies themselves. You're right. There is a social commentary, but it's also a commentary on what horror movies have done in the past, you know, or even, you know, previous to, Totally. Number two, number three, number four, you know, this is what they've been doing. So I, I, I'm curious of what's going to happen with number five is that you have this, I guess you call it highbrow horror, or whatever it is, you know, Ari Aster's, the uh, um, Eggers, all these other kind of things where it's going to be kind of elevated. So I'm curious to see that. Yeah, and John, just to kind of add on to what you're saying, it's not just like the, sc- the screen movies aren't just commentary on what has gone on in the past in horror film. It's very much like a time capsule of how it is currently evolving and where the genre, like what the state of the genre is at any given moment. So one of the things in Scream 4 is it acknowledges we're overly familiar by now with all the stuff that we were already making fun of 20 or 15 years ago, at the time it's 25 now, but 15 when this movie came out. And even the savviness that we had about that stuff, even that's cliched now. So it has to constantly evolve. And where are we now? Like, it's not enough to just uh, know the rules of horror movies anymore. Now you have to be like streaming. And so as, as Bob was talking about, it's not just um, like she, she talks about wanting fans instead of friends. Um, whoa, I just lost my train of thought, sorry. Uh, but it's also about being able to get famous for nothing involving talent. And so at that time, you know, we were right in the midst of the Kardashians Mm -hmm. and Paris Hilton and like the celebutant kind of thing. And I'll throw in a little piece of trivia right now. One of the little false start opening scenes, it was originally supposed to be Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan. Okay. Uh, not, I, I actually think Nicole Richie would have been better because yeah. the two of them kind of got famous for no real reason other than just being famous. Whereas Lindsay Lohan, you know, you can disagree about her talent or whatever, but she was actually like an actress who did stuff. Mm-hmm. And was, that the, was, that, was that the scene with Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin? Yeah. I'm not sure which of the false starts. I'm not sure if it was supposed to be the first one or the second one, but one of those scenes was supposed to be the two of them. Okay. So... I just, um, did he, yeah, or so. did Rory Culkin like get stabbed in a lot of movies? Because he was in Lords of Chaos. Yeah. And, and he had a brutal kill. He's a that. good actor. I didn't enjoy him in this as much, but he was he was younger. You could tell you he wasn't quite as uh, established as an actor yet, like his craft, but he's been in some good films. You're a poser. I'm a poser. <laughs> yeah. Was, well, I like that movie. While we're kind of on it, what did you guys think of the that opening scene with the different false starts before we actually get into the real movie? Oh, the cold open! I actually kind of loved it. I mean, the way it went from like one sequel to another, which was like making fun of itself, which was, you know, my point when I first started uh, being meta to be meta to be meta, and then you go into the real movie. So. Yeah, I I love this opening. Like the 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 opening scene of the original Scream movie is one of the most iconic openings to any horror movie ever made. I would argue. Yeah. Um, so for them to come back and create an an intro scene for the fourth installment that 
rivals that i would say it's not as good but i think it it at least rivals it is like it's just a testament to the writing and the directing of this movie um i i love how absurd that that like to consider scream the the beginning of scream four is actually stab six which is then a fake out and is actually stab seven (laughs) which is then a fake out because these characters are like playing jokes on each other in the real movie thinking that one one another is being murdered it's like it's it's just like layers and layers and layers of nonsense that like continuously surprises you. Or at least I was I was shocked the first time I saw this in 2010. I was like, holy shit, I've never seen anything like this before, which is tough to do. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Anytime a film can show me something that I've never seen before or make me remember it specifically like 10 years later. I mean, I think that's a win. Um, that yeah. Honestly, that opening scene is one of the first things that I think of when I think of this movie. Um, watching it for this podcast. I hadn't seen it in maybe, I don't know, three or four years. Um, and so I, you know, I remember the basic outline of the movie, not, not all the details, but that's one of the clearest things in my memory about this movie is that it starts out with a bang like that. And I think it's fucking clever. I think one of the biggest positives about this movie, it's actually 11 years old now and it still holds up today. I mean, as far as the technology and stuff like that and everything that they're referencing, I mean, the homages in this were fantastic. The garage kill, I think yeah, that I was noticed the that. second segment. <clears throat> and the three girls, which, you know, it was a total homage to uh, Halloween, the original 1978 of the three girls. You know, they're, they're all kind of different personalities. However, they lean into something different later in the movie. I just, I, did, I noticed that. On this watch, I was like, wow, that, that that was a pretty clever homage to Halloween 1978. The, the three main characters, mm-hmm. the yeah, friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so how do you guys feel about the story here with Sydney returning back to Woodsboro and she's got this book that's come out and it's successful and I just, it jumps off from there. I feel, maybe I, I, having just watched all four, like maybe I just noticed like this series is just so formulaic it's like every movie is almost the same setup it's the same Mm -hmm. like four characters which to be honest they haven't grown much throughout the films like dewey's still the same sweaty palmed fucking like bumbling idiot that he was in the first film you know what i'm saying you'd think he'd be a better police officer by now but he's still sort of like i don't know it just doesn't do it for me like i just feel it's sort of i don't know I don't know. I feel like Dewey's more adult in Scream 4 than he is in the original. Like, I would say by far, I mean, he's still not like the, he's not James fucking Bond running around here or anything, but like he's he's definitely (laughs) grown up. Um, And and like his his relationship with Gail Weathers has grown. It's the same bumps every film, though. Like him and his her relationship has like almost the same uh, story. Like every film, they have a little rough patch and then they make up. It's just like, I don't know, it's the same thing. Well, that's marriage, dude. But yeah, I, I, I want to go back to that though because David Arquette and Courtney Cox were actually married. Were they married at the time, or were they divorced at they that were. time? They were divorced, or they were separated. They were, were not quite because I felt that. I mean, that I, actually, that dynamic was wonderful. Like to me, that oh, we have to work together. We have to put this these characters together. And actually, that kind of dynamic between Courtney Cox and David Arquette, their two characters were like I love that. I thought that that, that was my favorite part of the movie. Just they were struggling, they were having problems or whatever, because Gail wanted to do this. Dewey was the sheriff of this town. But 
the way they interacted, their dialogue was really good to me. I enjoyed I think that. Sydney's character has the most growth in all the films, if anything. I disagree. No, she's gone through a lot. You know, her, I, she moves away to the woods and writes right. this book. Like, I felt like for her, I don't know, her character seemed to grow a little bit more than. I'm curious, Bob. Like, like with these movies, do you feel like you have to watch all four to kind of follow along? Because, like, to me, watching it again, like, number four, I could watch and not have to watch number one. Yeah, I don't think you have to. Um, I feel like if you're not going to watch one, you're doing yourself a disservice. Sure. Um, two is good. Three is not so good. Four is good. So like, I and I don't know if you're going to watch one, I'd say I'd say just watch the original and then you skip the rest. But uh, going straight to four, you could do. I think it's ill-advised, though. Um, I don't know. You can't you, you can't really recapture the, the gold that is the original movie i don't think anybody will ever be able to do that um but i mean could you just watch four yeah to answer your question you could what i agree what do you guys think so like i thought olivia's kill was pretty cool with the whole closet you know the opposite closet and the gore factor in that one was pretty ramped up very brutal filled with blood it looked like a like that first freddy kill almost in uh nightmare but um that's one of my complaints like what do you I don't know. I feel like the kills are not that creative in this franchise. There are a couple, but most kills in this in this movie are just knife stabs. They're just stabbings. And after a while, they just all I know. I I get that's the guy's point. You know, he stabs people with that shiny knife, but and it's iconic. But at the same time, it's like I want a little variety and I want to see a little bit more gore. And you don't really get that in these. I mean, to. I think that's kind of like complaining that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies there's it's only chainsaws. Like, yeah, but it's I think that's just kind of I think that's just kind scary. of in the that's just kind of in the fabric of what it is, and it's just I don't know. Like, like you don't have to like it, but I think that's just kind of what it they, is. You had the garage door kill, and there's some well, every once true. in a while you get a kill that's like varied, but just watching someone get stabbed with a shiny knife, I don't know. After a while, it just kind of washes over me. I don't really watch these movies for the kills, which is like a surprising thing to say about a slasher franchise. Like they're not wildly different. I agree with the point you're making, Um, but I'm really in it for the characters, I guess. Like I want to, I want to see these characters interact and try and find out who done it. Cause like, that's kind of an interesting thing about the scream franchise Red, It's like, it's not just always Michael Myers or it's not always Jason Voorhees. It's a different person every time just wearing the same costume with the little voice modulator. So like, it's kind of interesting to try and figure out who's killing these people as the movie unfolds. And I will argue like the kills in this movie aren't super amazing, but there's a few that are very brutal. Like the police officer who gets stabbed in the forehead. Like, yeah. But then he oh, says, Anthony oh, Anderson, fuck. that was awesome. Then he right, says, oh, yeah. fuck. He sold that around perfect. up the block and then says, fuck Bruce Willis. So that sort of takes away from. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I know. But like, I love part of my ride. complaint with this franchise is like the characters are sort of characters. And like they do silly oh. things. There's like a slapstick nature to them where Again, like I'm not I'm not a big it, fan it, of it in Heidelberg. I disagree like with you horror. because I think that was the point of it. I know though, I understand that, that, it that is, to be me, a character. The thing is, is they paid homage to the first one of of you know the way somebody was tied out outside with the light going off. Uh the way they they uh you know the one guy uh Rory Culkin got killed. Um you know it's just those little things that that if you haven't seen the 
yeah, I guess if you haven't seen the first movie, you wouldn't understand it, but it's still entertaining. It'd be the first time you're seeing this. And it's like, whoa, that was that was kind that of cool. like the way Emma Roberts like yeah. like fucked herself up was awesome. Yeah. That's one of my job. favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah. Like I like I think that's so jarring and and also very memorable like the way that she is just i mean you took the words right out of my mouth john like just she totally fucked herself up it was and... memorable in scream <laughs> one when they did it in scream one but nobody did that i don't I mean, think it's like, the same she didn't no. do that they stabbed each other yeah I, she stabbed I, I herself. no no it's, it's the same but it's slightly different anyways yeah. i know i think it's i think she, i think she takes it to the next level in this movie i i I wasn't re- totally on board with Emma Roberts as an actress until I saw this movie and I was like, okay, she's definitely holding her own. Like uh, I bought in fully after watching this. I don't know. I, I really like the ending of this movie. It obviously pays heavy homage to the ending of the original, but it like sets up a party, not, not at a house, but like at us at the Stabathon. They're I thought that a, was a cool. Movie marathon. Right. How fucking that's cool, a cool is that? idea. Like having a movie marathon yeah. party thing. Like that's cool. And you kind of think that might be the ending of the, the movie, the climax, but they even comment in the movie that like it can't end at a party because it already has. It has to go beyond that. So we go to the house and you think it's going to end there and it still doesn't, but they don't comment on that. It goes to the hospital and finally does end. So it does like a couple fake endings the way it does a couple fake intros. And I thought that was like cool symmetry happening in this movie. I don't know. I love that Stabathon sequence. I just yeah. want to be at that party where nobody dies, obviously. But I want I to thought of you it. actually when I was glad you were coming on because I was like Bob would probably fucking love something like this. So I could see you guys like yeah. Bob would host like putting something like this together. You know, like a live event. Um yeah, well I'll talk to you more about that later. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know nothing yeah. about this. I just guessed that. But um so <laughs> I, I mentioned the characters in Scream, the franchise, like, look, I, they're lovable, but we get the same characters. They have like plot armor, basically, like they live throughout every film, almost the, mo- the main ones. Right. I did like the characters that were introduced in this one. I do like the teenage group. I like the film buffs. I like the streaming dude. I like Hannah Panettiere's character. I thought it was cool. You know, the hot chick who's in the horror, like who doesn't love that? I, I did like that part of the film. I did like I think this film was better. It had better characters than the other two sequels, uh, three and four. I mean, uh, two and three. I think I think you're right about that. I would definitely agree with that. But I want to go back to, to on this note about characters. I want to go back to something John said before, because you said you disagree that um, Sydney's character shows a lot of growth over the course of the franchise. Who me? Yeah. Yeah. Heidelberg said, uh, "Oh, I think Sydney grows the most in the franchise," and you said, "I disagree." I disagree. No, I I think she's the str- same strong character she's always been. Well, she's she had trauma from the first one. So to me, it's just capitalizing on your trauma. Uh, I didn't see a lot of growth with her. It's you know Dewey was the same kind of guy, but he did grow. Uh, Gail grew, but she still had this itch to when I get the story, and that that was a big thing throughout the movie that she really wanted to you know, get back into this, although she's in this small town. She's, I don't know. I I, I liked Courtney Cox's character as Gail, as Gail. She Weathers. was better in this. That was her last name, right? Better in this film. Yeah. Than like the last one. Oh, yeah. So you just felt that Gail and Dewey were like more layered, I guess, than. I felt they were more of the main characters of this movie. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, they did focus about that, on Bob? their marriage a little bit more, it seemed, in this one. So I could see that. 
And do we got yeah. fucked up again in this movie? Got knocked in the head. We always, you know who always every... gets fucked up too? Ghostface always gets fucked up. I, lo- I love that about <laughs> like Ghostface. Because yeah. he's always, well, not always, but most of the time he's like some teenagers, you know, wearing this costume that you can't see out of the eye holes. Of course, he would get worked over a little bit. Like, I like that they actually play into that. Yeah. It's the brilliance yeah. of Ghostface is that it's not some supernatural being like nah. Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers where you get back up. It's they can be hurt just as much as anybody else in the movie. You probably they just have this, over that this, this cloak above like level crazy. intelligence to be able to manipulate their way out of a situation. Yeah. That's one of those things about this, about these movies that is like, you know, I could see it as being a little bit wearisome. Like the believability of a couple of teenagers plotting this extremely yeah. elaborate plot mm-hmm. and being able to anticipate all these moves mm-hmm. and, which one's going to be in the cost, especially when there's two of them. Yeah. You know, which one's going to be in the costume at this time and who's going to call this person and how are you going to know where they're going to be? And it's, it's a little tough to take, but you know, like when the cops get killed, they're like, wait, they're at the party, but one of them's killing the cops. And then one of them was in the house. Now they're back at the house watching horror movies after Stabathon. So it's like, sort of like, if you start picking at it, yeah, you start that's yeah if you start I, tracking kind of yeah. where everybody is i think i it's, would love to see a timeline like drawing but but, but I, you also have to understand with any horror movie there is going to be of a course. trope that, that you kind oh, of sure. you, you have to look past it or suspend disbelief as yeah. far as it's going to be a trope of only two cops out there you've got uh-huh. you know these these killers doing all this other stuff it's like any other slash movie you've ever seen is yeah. that just just look past it a little bit and i was able to with this movie when the killer's supernatural or the shape of evil it's easier to say okay that's how he's <laughs> here and there it's it's easier i guess to say well they're just human so how do they get back and forth but you're right yeah totally you gotta just lean into it and just watch yeah because i mean otherwise there's no movie and so <laughs> Yeah. You know, if you, or or you have to get into a tedious place where you have to explain in detail where everybody is and like, you know, kind of show the receipts for everything. Like, oh, this is how this person got here, and then that ruins your storytelling. So, or like a teenager I, I think it's... is strong enough to put a knife through like a fucking huge wooden door. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Is that Culkin I mean, kid. He he's Culkin Culkin. You know, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, he's he said some of the most brutal kills in movies I've seen in recent time. Jesus, especially with a knife. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. I love Lords of Chaos, man. I'm yeah, so it's like, a good movie. I one watched my that favorites. when you guys covered one? it. Bob, wasn't that your number one a couple years ago? Yeah, of 2019. Whenever it came out, I want to say it was 2019. It was my number one. Yeah, that's it's a great movie. So you're not opposed for the rest of my life now. I'm I'm no. gonna call him Hulk and Culkin. Hulk and Culkin, baby. There you go. Hulk and Culkin. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh Lord. Um, if, if we talk- stab one. Oh, sorry. I, I was just, uh, no no worries. I was just gonna say if we're talking some negatives, I was like I love this movie for sure, but it's not a flawless victory. Um, if I had like my biggest complaint about this movie, I think is that. The tagline of the movie itself was uh, new, new decade, new rules, I think is what it is. Yeah. And they get into some of the quote rules of like um, sequels and like uh-huh. they even mentioned, um, yeah, remakes, metal horror, how that's getting kind of played out. They name drop torture porn and they sort of like reference these things 
on the fringe, but they don't really get into like the rules of them and specifically how this movie is like subverting those rules. Really. They kind of, I feel like they play around with it, but they don't like really get into it in the way the first one did. I wish they had gone a little deeper into that sort of stuff. I agree with you, Bob. And I think that the, the film club kids were supposed to take the place of the Randy character from the first Mm -hmm. two films who, you know, lay out the whole rules for you. And they didn't really do that. And I agree with you, that would have been a lot stronger if they had done that. But I was, I was actually writing down rules as they were, mm. as they were coming up in the dialogue. And to be honest, I don't, I don't know that they necessarily really reflect the evolution of the horror genre or the slasher subgenre as mm-hmm. much as we might want to see that specified. Um, so some of the stuff was like, um, Nev Campbell says, don't fuck with the original. One of the kids says, oh, you have pretty much have to be that gay. line landed, though. That's, that's the only one that I think really works in terms of, like, updating with the times. Is that, like, oh, if you're a gay character, then you're spared for some reason. Because ah, um, that, that's changed from, like, oh, you can't drink or have sex or do drugs or else you're going to die. And so it's shifted from that. So that's the only one that feels like a time update to me. Mm-hmm. The other ones just kind of feel like the stuff that you would say about any sequel and it not really specific to the year 2011. Like, don't fuck with the original. The killer's always right behind you. The police officers die. That's nothing really groundbreaking. Yeah. I, I mean, where the kid dies and says, I'm gay, if that helps. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> I don't it, even it really help get, I don't <laughs> no. get where that idea comes from, even really. Like, yeah. Yeah, what film really uses that? Does homosexuality offer some sort of protection in a franchise that I'm unaware of? Like, I really don't know where that comes from. No. Well, I wonder if it was a commentary on, like, political correctness. Yeah, the the movie business is afraid to kill a gay character on screen or something. Not anymore, man. Goddamn. Yeah. (laughs) True. So true. Um, I just noticed, back to the Stabathon real quick, when they fucking first show uh, Stab 1, did you notice it was directed by Robert Rodriguez? I did mm-hmm. see that. Yeah, I thought that was just a cool little uh, homage. Oh, the footage actually was directed by Robert was Rodriguez. It? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's even cooler. For real. Yeah, and there's some links there. Like Marley Shelton, who plays Deputy Hicks, she was in um, Planet Terror, which was, was Robert Rodriguez's half of Grind the Grindhouse you double your feature. From- your knowledge. I thought she looked from the Lemon <laughs> Lemon <laughs> Squares girl, where she made Lemon Squares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Betty Crocker. Yeah, she was the, hey. the the doctor who was the wife of the other doctor. Oh. You know, she gets her oh, yeah. injected had, with the her red herring in her hands. Yeah, she did. And this, I think she, had a she might of be crazy enough, or, or or like obsessed with Dewey enough that maybe she was involved mm-hmm. somehow. Or well, that when she was upstairs, like with the in the dark, know, almost the homage to Black Christmas, where you just see the one eye where she's in the shadows, but that yeah. one beam of lights coming on her eye yeah i got the red herring from her definitely yeah that looks a little suspicious or a little ominous like oh what's yeah. she doing lurking she in the just shadows seems a little off and then later when jill's mother gets killed and it, um hicks pops up again and yeah. i think i think nev campbell looks a little suspicious of her at that moment when she, she does pops that's why up, she like, kind of oh, backed off and she now? leaves yeah she hauls yeah. ass <laughs> yeah. and yeah. also her so, lemon squares taste like ass <laughs> so. No, they don't. Not according to Dewey. 
Yeah, well, not according to Dewey. Dewey can't Dewey say a bad thing about anybody ever. No, he can't. He's such a nice guy. Maybe he just likes to flavor ass. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't he licks your asshole a little bit. Even if he did lick my asshole a little bit. There you go. Where's the bumps, Bob? <laughs> I don't have oh my not God. my show, baby. Not my show. There you go. <laughs> we need to get going with some bumps. Yeah. Um, I, I think that Kirby also for a minute could have been a little bit of a red herring um, early on after they get the phone calls in the car and then they're mm-hmm. being questioned and Kirby says, I didn't get a phone call. Is, is yeah. that bad? Like, am I, I like her next? character too. Me too. She's kind of a spunky little thing, although she looks like she's 30. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the height of Penetier or whatever, whatever her name was. Uh, yeah. She was on Heroes, like right around that moment, right? Like coming yeah. off of Heroes, I think. As I have trailer. a crush on Hayden Panettiere. Panettiere. Oh, she is. She's hot. Yeah, she is. <laughs> oh my she's God. I like her scene I... too when she's like, "Are you gonna make your move? Now's the good time." And he's like, <laughs> "Could you make the move? Like, come on, bro. She's giving it to you. She's handing it to you on a platter." And well, she like, says, "I just did." She's like, "I am. I just did make the move." Yeah, I think she's a good actress. Everything I've yeah. seen her in, I thought she was pretty rad. So. Yeah, um, I think she's, I like she's more than that. just a pretty face. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, while we were kind of touching on negatives, uh, we were talking about the believability of you know high school students masterminding all this and failure to lay out rules. I also think it's a little too convenient that Gail happens to enlist the help of the film club geeks. She's like, oh, who really knows film at this school? Is there a club? And she finds the film school weeks and one of them just happens to be one of the killers. It's like, eh, kind of like at the time when she asked that, it made sense to me that like, I thought she was looking to see if one of them could be the killer because she's like, well, who's obsessed with horror movies in this community? You know what I mean? Like, so that made sense. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Like the fact that she tried to like use them to aid her. Well, it was true, but that she never, even though it started out that way, it's just like, hmm, who might know a lot about film? We don't really see her like interrogating anybody or no. or kind of sniffing around to see, like. We just cut to the next scene with Sydney's there mm-hmm. in the. Yeah, I don't remember which scene came next, but she just doesn't really follow up on like, hmm, could this person be suspicious? It just kind of happens to be that way in the end. I also There's... thought the kids going back to the house like after Sabathon and just starting to drink and watch more horror movies just seemed a little bit like unbelievable. Like I get they're dumb teenagers. Like people are dying around you at Stabathon, and like your idea is like, well, I'll just go back to my mom's house and drink some more and watch some more horror movies. As cool as that sounds, there didn't seem to be much self preservation on their behalf, you know. That's fair, I don't know, that's, that's but they're teenagers, fair. I get it. I think there's a reason Courtney Cox like gets involved with the film club, it's so that she can essentially find out that, like, oh, the killers are filming their kills, they're gonna make a movie about this. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't really like interrogate people. That's that's a fair no. for sure. As far as them like going back to the house, like that's not very believable. I, I totally yeah. agree. Hydraberg. It's one thing that's kind of interesting though is the the Robbie character. He's like, nobody cancels uh my party or whatever. And he puts on stab seven and like you hear the dialogue in the background that is from the beginning of the movie that we are currently watching. I thought that was also kind of a neat tie into the beginning. Um, and I like that the movie doesn't just end at the party. There's like some more stuff that happens. As unbelievable as you know, these people just continuing to party is. I like yeah. that the movie goes there. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. I'm still sick. Still clearing out. No worries. Uh, 
uh, I do one thing that I miss from the first movie that I wish we had some more of in this one is the sense of the all the characters in the movie being really suspicious of each other. And, yeah. you know, if you remember in the first one, there's that curfew and they're kind of like on lockdown and they're not supposed to leave the house. And even the closest friends, you know, our main friend group from in the first film, they're questioning each other. And there's a whole scene where they're like, well, it could be you because you blah, blah, blah. Or you have this weird obsession and it could be you. And I think, you know, they're just fucking with each other. And I don't think they really suspect each other at first. But as it gets on, I feel like they get a little more paranoid. And here there was not there's not you don't feel like they have a real sense of danger like you were talking about urgency and you know going home and present self-preservation mm-hmm. they don't seem particularly scared and they don't seem particularly suspicious of each other well, i kind of like that because it actually it, it seems like the way they're acting is like oh we're just in a movie right now but we're really not i mean again how meta can you get and that's the way the characters reacted. You know, the boyfriend, again, a red herring, was really like a really, like, I guess, one of those images of what Skeet Ulrich was in the first one. That it's just like, you think he is, but maybe he's not. But maybe he is, you know, that that kind of back and forth with him because he just shows up and it's like somebody texted me to come over. And you're like, okay, I kind of like that i kind of like that character of you know he was the dumb jock and whatever see i forgot to even bring him up as a red herring earlier because to me it was so obvious that he was such an obvious red herring that i counted him out immediately and thought well they've already done the boyfriend thing so i just ignored it and i was like oh he's just he's not the killer so i don't know how did you guys did you guys think that too or no like you said i didn't I didn't think they were going to go that route again. They they definitely lean into it, though. I didn't really care for the yeah. character that much. I think, but I think Wes Craven would have done that. I mean, to be kind of different, yet the same, but different. Let's do it in this movie again. I I don't know. I, I like the dumb character of just like, him showing up and just sitting on the couch and, hey, everything's cool. Don't worry about it. And That's sort of what he, he does. Been. He just pops up here yeah. and there. About this exactly time. right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it, I got a new phone. I never really thought the boyfriend was going to be the killer because it does seem too obvious to answer your question. But I definitely thought it was like the movie film nerds, and it, I was like half right because there's only one of them. But I don't know. I, I was I was overall surprised. I would say that Jill was like the mastermind. Like, I was too. His cousin. I thought that was a really solid reveal. Um, I don't. I totally didn't see it coming. I really did. I mean, she like gets her arm sliced. She always seems to have a pretty solid alibi. She's hanging out with her friends. Um, conveniently, you know, she's working with somebody else is out there murdering people. But like, I just never really guessed that. Did, did any of y'all guess her as a I kid? I didn't guess that. No. I, no. I just don't. I don't know. It's weird, though. Like, how do you guys think? What do you guys think about her being like, do you th- would she be that envious of like her cousin and her fame that like she would kill her own mother just to get that? Like, is she that? I don't know. Like. I found that believable, right? Yeah. That, 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 you know, the fame, the fortune, you know, as a kid, 17, I I get it. And yeah, that that plays more into that. Yeah, I want that too. That follows with social media and like likes and fame. And so I get that. 
Well, and I think I think what she's looking for is a lifetime of lasting fame like yeah. Sydney has had. I think she's looking for something more than just fleeting, you know. But she's killed everybody. Social media notoriety. And I think mother. she's well, I think she sees that Sydney has survived something and this has really become like her lifelong identity, whether she likes it or not. And I think that she I think she interprets this as having like paid dividends over many years and is looking for this to kind of be her lifelong meal ticket. Like without spoiling or giving away the fact that she was the killer, if they had just given me a little bit of a hint of her childhood or maybe her seeing Sydney on the news or something that would have showed a glimpse of like her envy at a younger age, maybe, or just something for us as the audience to try and figure out on our own. Cause they kind of just give it to you. I don't necessarily agree with that. I I, yeah. I think what it is is that Without instant gratification away, you know? of, you know, what Wes Craven did as far as, because we are in a society of instant gratification. How many likes do you have? How many followers do you have? Um, you know, things like that. I, I, I thought it was, that was a really strong point of the movie that being able to, you know, how many followers can you get? How many friends can you get? You know, and and I think the answer to your question is that, you know, Sydney back in 96 went through this. And then I, I'm envious of of how many people still go buy her book to want to get an autograph from her. I want that instantaneously. I thought that was that, it, that was a really good part of the movie. I get that. I just don't feel like we ever saw behavior in jail to to show that she was envious of her cousin that and that but you that could also pick that up also from, yeah go ahead Jacqueline oh Maybe sorry well so I feel like we keep hitting on all these things that are very commonplace in these movies that Heidelberg doesn't like and I think that these are just kind of defining like why this franchise is not for you because yeah. I can see why all these things you don't like but it's just like how these movies are and so to your point what I would say is that Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in all four movies, there really aren't any breadcrumbs. Like there's, I don't think there's really been any way to guess the motive of any of the killers. Well, I, at least I never have. Like the killers are always there. They're not surprise characters that you didn't meet before. And all of a sudden it's this person. Like they're always people that you are watching throughout the movie and wondering if it's them. But there aren't, I can't think of any strong clues along the way in any of these movies it's like oh he, like he's definitely mad because he's the half brother of sydney and you know like all this or oh he's mad because his father had an affair with sydney's mother like it's all revealed at the end what the motive is and the character was always there but the breadcrumbs were not and so I can see why that's frustrating. But I, to me, that's just kind of like a feature of these movies. This is just what these movies do. I don't know. Am I wrong about that? Am I, I don't think so. I, I, think, I think there's no rhyme or reason why Jason Voorhees gets up at every at well, yeah, the end of every single movie. You're just I like, just what mean the specifically fuck? the screen movies. Like, but like John, no, you had said. There's no way to anticipate the motive right. of a killer. The earlier sure. film, at least especially the first one, at least it casts its shade on more people throughout the film where you thought like some people could have been the killer. You know what I mean? Like, so at least I don't feel like there was ever any put on Jill enough that I would have believed that she was. That, that, and Without I didn't have a problem. With that. I, I didn't away. have a problem with that. I mean, because it was a really nice reveal as far as her yeah. being the killer, you know, and, and one of the, you know, the, 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 uh, the video guys is with her. So yeah, her accomplice. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And I guess I he's know. just a nut who wants to kill people. <laughs> it de- yeah, it definitely doesn't really cast much shade on Jill. I there there were some deleted scenes where like she uh-huh. is a little shady. Uh, but those were removed, like maybe to make it more difficult to guess who it is. Is that on the is that on the disc? Yeah, yeah, it's on the disc. Oh, but, media. See, I streamed it. I didn't get that. But <laughs> may, maybe if you watch the movies knowing that, like yeah. whoever has the least shade cast upon them is probably going to be the killer. So like you could guess it that way if you yeah. wanted to. Mm-hmm. I do think a lot of the stuff that like we hear Ghostface say in this movie could sort of like. Um, retroactively be applied to jill you know like mm-hmm. if, if you hear what she's saying talking about like um you know sydney you've done very well with all this tragedy for yourself but like what about the town oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. left behind you know the, the people that you left behind um and, and the ghost face makes a couple of very specific lines about like going after her family or her family being involved in the killings and of course her her aunt um jill's mother does get killed immediately after that but like if you carry that thread further like okay who else is sydney related to in this movie it's jill so that's like, a good point mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. could kind of connect those dots too but i like that they don't make it super obvious yeah it's tough yeah yeah they it's something that it you away. see i think more in, in hindsight than the first time around totally yeah. yeah 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 so all right well any other major points that you guys want to make about this did we skip anything they left out red right hand from nick cave they did that's a bummer. What a sin. The song uh, Red Right Hand by Nick Cage. <laughs> it's that's, the song, that's Nick Cage? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. from Nick the first Cave. one, right? Yeah. Nick Cave. Cave. Yeah. Oh, Cave. Yeah. I'd love like, to hear Nick, Nick Cage, Cage do a cover. I thought you said Nick Cage. No. I was like, holy shit, that's Nick Cage. <laughs> I mean, uh, the man does everything. It wouldn't surprise me that he made a song. So <laughs> I'd listen to it. That's you do me. enough coke, so you can do anything. <laughs> I'm going to hear Nick Cage do a song, would. Mandy, from Barry Mandelow. <laughs> that would be so funny. He could How funny would that be? <laughs> Around the oh same time and Mandy the char- was made, or the, the, the yeah. time frame? Also, this and is the um, character of Red, but like wearing a Barry Mandelow <laughs> leisure suit or something. This is our third <laughs> film in a month. screaming at the end of it. Oh! <laughs> our third What's film up, in a good? month that has um, someone like you know, like a caller, like a strange guy calling in. Yeah. Like Billy, we had calls. the New Year's Eve evil caller. And then you have mm-hmm. the scream guy who just, you know, he, he uses his phone calls to mess with his prey. So it's true. What would horror but, movies do without phones? But he didn't have a crack pipe in his mouth, right? No, he didn't. <laughs> okay. Well, are you guys ready to review? I mean, rate this, uh, this little film here. Ready. Yeah. All right. Well, it was my Jacqueline, pick, so I'll go, I'll go first if you don't mind. Um, I, I really enjoy this movie. I can see why some people, um, such as Hyderberg, might find it a little disappointing or not innovative or less interesting than maybe some other slashers. Um, I, I get that. But as as Bob and I already expressed, I think we both have like a really strong emotional attachment to the first one. I had a similar experience as you, Bob, that this was this was probably the first slasher movie I saw. I can't remember exactly, but after seeing it, I definitely became much more aware of slasher conventions in, you know, the, all the classics like Friday the 13th and Halloween and stuff like that. Um, if I had seen them before, I hadn't really paid attention. So this was like a kind of an awakening for me. 
Um, and so I've always had great affection for the franchise. I agree with you. Two is pretty good. Three is okay. But this movie, I think, really brings it back up. Um, I would not put it on the same level as the original, but I think it, in terms of creativity, just caring about the characters, having a fun ride, seeing some stuff you've never seen before, I think it's pretty darn good and makes up for some of the failures of the other sequels. Um, it makes me excited to see where else this, you know, what the franchise will do next. I'm really on board for the next one. I wouldn't mind seeing, maybe depending on what five does, I wouldn't mind seeing a six or a seven. Um, it proves to me that this series of films can have some new life breathed into it, but still hold down all the stuff that we love about the first one. So, um, there are some believability problems. I don't necessarily love the motive of Charlie, the, the film geek who's just kind of like along for the ride and wants to kill people. But I feel like there's often sort of a character like that in these movies. Um, I love getting to follow along this ongoing story with Sydney and Dale and, Go and Gale and Dewey, not Dale and Gooey. <laughs> That's uh, a whole so different movie right there. <laughs> That's probably NC-17. It's a, it's a trauma film right there. <laughs> oh, Lord. if I were Sorry, white, Jacqueline. I'd be blushing right now. Um, oh, Dale and Dewey versus Evil? Is that what it was? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry so, you guys got me all embarrassed for a second. Um, <laughs> anyway, when it, all, when it all comes down and the dust settles, I, I think I would give this movie 7 out of 10 steps. So... That's my rating. Bob, would you like to go next? Sure. Um, yeah, this is my favorite Scream sequel so far. I guess we'll see uh, what the latest installment has to offer. Um, I think this movie, like you said, sort of like brings the franchise back up a notch uh, after two and three. Um, two is solid. Three is a little rough, I think. Um, uh, this movie like it brings back the original trilogy um, of of actors. Um, I think uh, the the new characters that they introduce do a really great job. Um, the kills, why? I mean, maybe they're not like super inventive, but I think they do pack one hell of a punch. Uh, specifically, the intro sequence with the two fake outs is extremely memorable and impactful. Um, Sydney's publicist, uh, she gets stabbed and then like thrown off a building. Uh, onto the top of like a, a, a news. Yeah, that was cool. Um, very brutal. The cop getting stabbed in the face, also very brutal and like comedic at the same time. Um, I like that they they bring back some like film nerds and they've got a club going on. It sort of like pays homage to Randy in the original film. Uh, and I, I, I like that they're commenting on like more modern uh, subgenres. Uh, but like I already mentioned, I just wish they, I wish they would have gone much deeper into that. Um, I think, I just think this is a great movie. Of course, like I've, I'm just, I feel like very attached um, to the franchise as a whole. As I already mentioned, it's commenting on uh, slasher tropes, horror movie tropes. And also just like there's, there's a, drops of social commentary in all these movies. Um, so it's, it's, it's commenting on what it is. It's doing a, a, a good job at being what it's commenting on. And then it's also taking a step further, commenting on like real life shit. 
it's like it's hard to do these three things well and i think this movie does all three things well I, this is a nine out of ten stabs for me oh nice i respect that bob thank you hide your berg all right let's hear that low number <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what i'm gonna give this thing i don't they gave it a plastic fuck so yeah i did so i have a guess um I don't know. Like, I really like Scream 1. I think Scream 1, everything you guys said about Scream 1 is great. Like, it, it was a pioneer. It did something very original. It commented on the genre um, and its tropes and certain, it just brought to light certain things that people have talked about, you know, horror nerds, but it used it in its film. It was very meta and it was just, uh, it was really cool. It gave us an iconic killer, regardless of how I like this franchise. Like, Ghostface is iconic. His imagery is like forever known, you know. Um, I think this film tried some different things with its plot that I did appreciate. Uh, you know, Joe being related to Sydney and also being one of the killers. I don't understand exactly, you know, how she, why was she so envi- envious? But I, I do like the fact that like we didn't really see that coming, right? And so I appreciate that. I appreciate that Wes Craven had directed this one as well as the other four, like. That was one of the biggest things I, I thought was cool about watching all four was that his name kept popping up at the end as director. And I was like, well, I got to give you know credit to him for doing that. Like a lot of directors would have done that first one. They became famous and just handed it off to some other directors to do. But he didn't do that. So I appreciate that. Uh, you know, my complaints about the characters aside, like not growing and stuff. Those are basically the main characters throughout the series. But I did enjoy the new characters in this in this one, especially. I thought they were more believable. Um I did. I like the teenagers. I like the group dynamic, and I thought they were they're pretty cool uh, for the most part. I even I like the film nerds. You know, even when they ended up being one of them, be ended up being the bad guy. I was sort of like, oh man, you're kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are some unoriginal concepts though in this movie. I just feel like that it follows like the tropes that you know. This movie has tropes of its own, even though it plays on tropes in horror. You know what I mean? And like. Uh, there's a new copycat killer of Ghostface in the next installment. He makes prank calls. He kills people with a, a bunch of people with a knife. And in the end, there's a reveal and an info dump. And it's the same in all four films. And for me, it just maybe watching all four at once recently just sort of showed me that in a way where I'm just like, eh, you know, I hope I'm really hoping like the fifth one does something a little bit different. Um, hold on. My notes just scrolled down. Here we go. I should have paper notes like John. Um, my, I don't like the lack of character growth, especially in Dewey. Like for me, it's just sort of, I don't know. I feel like these characters, there could be a little bit more. We get like 10 year spurts that we don't see them. And then when we see them again, it's just like, oh, I get it. Like there's marital problems and stuff like that. But I just wish we saw a little bit more because they are likable. But we just, I don't know. They just sort of cardboard to me in a sense. Uh, they're just there for a long uh, for a long the ride, you know, um, like I said before, I'm just not the biggest fan of like the character of the characters in a sense, like they're sort of slapsticky um, to watch them for five films. I'm just not that invested in them. And I could see why these films are easily parodied in like scary movie and stuff like that, you know. Um, let's see here. I don't know. Uh, the twist was pretty good. Mm, 
I thought it was a little formulaic, just the, the, the franchise in general. So, like, I don't know, it just took away from the punch for a little bit for me. Like, I didn't guess who the killer was, but obviously, you know, it's probably going to be the person that you least expect. And, um, and I just thought the kills could have been a bit, a little bit more varied and a little bit more gore. For me, I would have liked that. I know that the franchise isn't known for that, though. So maybe that's just, you know, me. Um, with that said, I'm going to give Scream 4 5 out of 10 stabs. That's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. I don't hate well, it. I, I, I think this is one of the most solid sequels in the franchise. I do. Okay. All right. That's, that's fair. You know, you make, you make fair points. I can't. I can't. I'm going to watch it again, though. Disagree with that. This was either the first or the second time. If it's the second time, I can't remember the first. Oh, well, that's not good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I might have given up at three. I can't remember. So, John, what about you? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to switch my thought about the movie to a solid fuck. Because of something Hyderberg said. You guys, you guys brought something up to me that was... It just it, it popped in my head. It was like, okay, so uh, what? Um, Ghostface is a different person each time. But I think Wes Craven did something creative and something brilliant. Is he brought back the characters every single time? And it's different because our our antagonist has always been the one that's been back every single time. Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers. I mean, Ghostface, absolutely. Like the iconic mask, you know, the long face, the ghost, whatever. But he brought back our protagonist every single time. And in this fifth movie that is coming back is... <sighs> That's our main characters. I mean, again, the Scream is not based off of Ghostface because Ghostface is a different character every single time. But our characters that have been <laughs> every single movie is Sidney Prescott, is Gail Weathers, is Dewey Dipshit, whatever his name is, David Arquette. Riley. Riley. Um, holy shit. Um, yeah, this is a solid fuck. I'm gonna give this I'm gonna give this a 8.5 out of 10 stabs. Very nice. Solid for Very me. Nice. All right. Sorry. Sometimes I, mean, I, I had to change Sometimes it you... via our conversation because I just thought about it. Oh my God. Wes Craven did not fuck up this franchise. Every, every single movie that he has done, maybe not as solid as the previous one or the previous one, whatever, but it was, he's brought these characters back and maybe that was his idea. Maybe it was like, Okay, so we're not bringing back Ghostface as the, you know, the 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 entity that cannot be killed. But people try to carry that on. But who carries it on is our pro- protagonist is Sydney, Dewey, and Gale, right? And yeah. we got a fifth movie coming out, and we're all kind of excited to see it. So eight point yeah. five out of ten stabs. Very nice. Very Solid nice. fuck. I'd be curious to hear everybody's rankings. Of, of the four films. Bob, did you say that this film is your second favorite in the franchise or am I making that up? No, I definitely did say that. It's, uh, I didn't feel that way when I first saw it in 2010, but like I said, this movie's unfortunately just become like more relevant 
mm-hmm. as time has passed. So yeah, I, I would rank them one, four, two, and then three. Yeah, solid. John, yeah. how would you rank the four movies? One and four. Uh, I haven't seen two and three in a long time. So you haven't seen two and three? <laughs> no, oh. I've seen them. It hasn't. It's oh. been a long time since I've seen them, but I've. Okay. I know one is my favorite. Uh, right. I'm not a big screen franchise fan, but yeah, one and four. But okay, all right. There you go. Heidelberg, you just pounded them like back to back to back to back. So how would you? The same as the Bob, though. I think one and okay. four are the two highlights for me. I also think you Johnson too. comes to peer pressure. <laughs> Fuck no! I you mean, I just to. thought you about it. From a flash like... buck to an eight point five, bro. I did, <laughs> but the. <laughs> Without a second fuck, you didn't even get fucked twice. No, I I mean, you think about it is that you bring back these characters and they're not okay. Ghostface is your antagonist of this movie, but your protagonists have been in every single movie, like Michael Myers, like Jason Voorhees, like Freddy Krueger. They've been in every single movie of the franchise. Hydroberg, we we don't kink shame. We let John fuck whatever he wants to fuck fuck however he wants, John. Um, <laughs> fuck away, I think copycats like constantly copycatting this one person and all those being based around Sidney Prescott's life is sort of like, come on, like there should be more to this. Fan- I, feel I like understand. I, that's to, sort of one of my complaints. To Heidelberg's point, I do have a question for y'all. And this is something that I've been mulling over, con- contemplating like, what are they going to do with Scream 5? The trailers are like, they don't really give away anything that we haven't already seen in all of these other movies. Like right. the plot is very hush hush. Do you think they're going to kill off one of these they need to. three or, or all three, they might they all need three to. die in the opening. Like, I don't know. What do you guys think? I thought the same yeah, thing, Bob. There's none of the, there's plot armor on all three of these characters. Mm-hmm. I realistically, I don't think they'll do it. I think yeah. Sydney I, because people were asking the same thing about we find out that she's actually the killer in this one. No, yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I think they're all three gonna die like within the first thirty minutes of the movie. I do. What if they died in like I the first know. ten minutes, like, and really subverted you, like, I'd, and then they do a totally different take on it? The rest, takes like the guts. next hour and a half is totally. I'd different. respect it. I'd respect. I would. Too. I would too. I totally would. I guess so. I, I would say, I, I would rather see them all get killed than to see one of them be the killer. I don't want to see any of these characters be yeah, the killer. Seems a little... I agree. I've been agree. I've been on this ride for too long with these characters, and I love them, and everybody else loves them, and I don't want to see that happen. So I guess I'll revise my earlier statement that I, I guess it's possible that one or all of them die, but um, I could see. I Dewey. feel like the question has been raised that 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 one of them might be the killer, and I just, as a fan, I don't want to see that. I, I don't think Wes Craven would want that. If he was no. still alive today, I don't think he would want that. I don't think he would want like, you know, one of them to be the killer. And it, because it's the most obvious thing. It's like if they die within the first 10 minutes, you're like, oh, shit. Who is it? I could see Dewey being the killer, though, because he's such a crazy <laughs> bastard. So it's believable that he's Ghostface falling all over the place. He's the most believable, mm, I think, yeah. but he's the one I would hate to see be the killer the but most. I love Dewey. Like Sydney snapping. I don't want to see it necessarily, yeah. but I could believe it a little bit more because it's like over time she's become like PTSD is set in and she's just like snap one day. But yeah, but when you say that, I mean too. I think Gail yeah, is the most too. most likely to do that because like she she she's like, Oh wait, hold on. 
you know, I'm, I need to do this. Yeah. But having the final girl turn out to be the killer would be subversion of tropes too. And that's what scream does. True. What if they went like super meta and like treated the first four movies as like a stab series in and of itself that our new characters have watched and are then inspired to go murder each other by or something. So Scream like that. itself never happened. It was always yeah. it was all fictional. Entertainment, yeah. Yeah. And the guy from Blood Rage was well, the guy that came out and says it's not cranberry sauce. Ooh, what about that? I'd so Bob, are you saying so I'm just Very trying to kind of like reason this out a little bit. So in that possible possible world. So because we already know that Nev Campbell and um, the other two actors are going to be in this film in, mm-hmm. to some extent. So would they be playing themselves as actors <laughs> in your mind? I, I so what what I what I'm thinking of is like the movie would open up with our three main <clears throat> characters, and they would all get killed in some way or another, whether one of them's a killer or not. I don't know. And then it would be you know you know scream title card, and then it would reveal that. W- like these are movies that our actual characters have been watching. So like mm-hmm. there, none if, of, none of these movies have been real at all. David Arquette, there's a new set of characters. Nev Campbell mm-hmm. and Courtney Cox all get killed at the premiere of scream five. And then they roll into like, you know, that would be nuts. Yeah. yeah. That, that would be <laughs> like, a whole, that's a cold open right there. That is a yeah. cold open. Perfect. Right there. Because I'm wondering wow, why, they, why, why they just call it Scream. Like, maybe it's just because that's the new hip thing to do, or maybe there's a reason. I don't know. I don't know. I find it a little confusing, but maybe there's an explanation. So. <laughs> yeah. You I don't know. It? Yeah, yeah, we plan to talk about it on the, on the show, yeah. All right. Well, would you guys like to hear some trivia yeah. about Absolutely. Scream 4? All right. So I want to say one of the most interesting things uh, that I read about this movie is that there was an alternate ending. Um, maybe oh, you guys are already familiar with this, but so what, <coughs> excuse me, what happened in the writing of the movie is that um, as we know, Kevin Williamson wrote the script for this, but then I think the Weinsteins were not happy with some of the narrative choices. And so they brought in Aaron Kruger who wrote part three to do some rewrites. Did you guys know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he rewrote some stuff and the original ending that Kevin Williamson wrote was that basically the hospital finale scenes never happened. Let me see, where's the beginning? The original script ended at the house with Jill being loaded into the ambulance and speaking to Dewey and then agreeing to give the photographers a photo. And then just then a paramedic from inside the house shouts that they have a woman alive, presumably Sydney. And then the film would have ended on a cliffhanger, presumably setting Jill up as an antagonist or possibly a future killer in a future film. And then Sydney would be the protagonist again. And there were rumors that Sydney would be suffering from amnesia and not remember that Jill had been the killer. So that was that was basically what was supposed to happen in Kevin Williamson's original script. The hospital stuff was all written by Aaron Kruger and added on and the fact that um, you know how, how it all ends up. 
So knowing that, what do you guys think about the, the success or non-success of the ending? Well, if, if they were going to do that, they would stab her in the head. So she forgot. Uh, in the stomach, you would remember that. So for me, no, no, that doesn't work. Yeah. I fell down and bumped her head after getting stabbed in the stomach. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah. H- hindsight being what it is, I'm glad this movie did not end on a cliffhanger and yeah. that it had some resolution because right. we, going from like 2010 to 2022 <laughs> for some sort of resolution, like nobody would care at that point. It wouldn't matter anymore who the killer was or wasn't. Like I would be uninterested. Um, right. I, do, I do like how this movie wraps up at the end, though, even though like Jill is essentially defibrillated in the brain and, and dies. <laughs> Um, it we we roll out of the hospital and we see all these like newscasters lined up mm-hmm. uh, singing Jill's praises and how yeah, she's I, I actually like a hero of the day and like she got yeah. what she wanted at least for a moment until the truth comes out. I I like right. that. I did too. Yeah, I do too. I so I have to say you know I've always kind of cursed Aaron Kruger's name for being the the screenwriter for part three because I'm like oh it's you know he's no Kevin Williamson and yay we have kevin williamson back but i have to say i actually do like the ending as it stands as opposed to this other possible alternate ending that kevin williamson wrote i also like <laughs> apparently Billy getting knocked out with a bedpan and we that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what hit me and and nev campbell uh sydney goes you don't want to know <laughs> but apparently kevin was like pissed at the, it was the rewrites. And there was some other, uh, there was some other stuff too oh haha, i see what you did there there's there some other stuff too, but I think that was the main difference between the two, um, between the the original script and what got rewritten. So that was one of the most interesting things for me. Also, just uh, kind of going off what Bob said, this movie was supposed to kick off a new trilogy, actually. Um, but then Wes Craven got sick with brain cancer and died and it just kind of fell apart and they didn't want to do it. Maybe that's why and they so- did the rewrites. Maybe they knew... That Maybe. Wes wasn't going to be coming back, so they wanted to end it on a on, not on a cliffhanger. Maybe so. I don't. I don't know what the impetus was for yeah. the rights. I just know that the Weinstein's um, wanted wanted some different stuff. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm so sorry. Uh, Bob already mentioned the lack of red right hand. <clears throat> Let's see. Yeah, Courtney Cox and David Arquette were separated. Uh, the film poster for this movie was the first one to actually have Ghostface on as like one of the characters on the the movie poster. Really? Yep. Uh, this was the a first time the that. the Sorry. I said a lot of the posters I think had like the knife in in it instead of oh, Ghostface. Yeah. Okay. Well, this this yeah. one was like the the sh- the silhouette of the mask that turned into a knife. Into a knife. Yeah, which was pretty yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. For the first time in the franchise, this film has a CGI knife in it to avoid using prop knives. Uh, at around 18 minutes, there's a bust of Henry Winkler. Really? Hey. The principal I didn't notice that. Yes. I loved him um, in the first one. Me too. He's, he was a principal, guy. Right? Yeah, yeah, they even tried That's to paint right. him as a red herring for a second when he puts the mask on. He's like looking at himself in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> With the scissors. Hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he jumped a shark. Mm. <laughs> Good one. Uh, let's see. So 
sorry, there's so much trivia to this and most of it is not good, but there's an occasional interesting thing here. Um, Emma Roberts and Nev Campbell both say that they don't like to watch horror movies because they get too scared. Wussies. Um, uh, there was one more thing in particular that I, oh, so each of the new central characters is kind of an archetype or parallel for one of the characters in the original film. So Jill is supposed to represent Sydney as kind of like the ingenue or sort of the main one and she's in her family. Kirby and Olivia are sort of a, yes, they're supposed to be kind of the composite friend, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Trevor obviously is supposed to be the Billy character, the boyfriend. Charlie is supposed Skeet, to be Skeet. Stu. Robbie is supposed to be Randy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the uh, publicist is supposed to be like Gail, kind of the ambitious, you know, power hungry woman. And then um, Deputy Judy is supposed to be like the new Dewey kind of. That makes sense. So, yeah. So interesting, interesting parallels. But I love that those are most of those characters are from the original are back. And so you just have more of them. Um. That's those are kind of the, the main ones. I don't want to sit here and like just read um, <laughs> silently and, and find the good stuff. But those were those were some of the, the best ones. So that's some of the most salient trivia about Scream Four. Oh, I see your face again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's on her phone. I, since I'm on my phone, I had to oh. I had to kind of cut out so I could get to my IMDb. So Hydraberg. Do you have a decision for next week's film? I do. I have a decision. Um, next week's pick is going to be The Dark and the Wicked on Shudder. Cool. The documentary? No. Or is that? Oh, oh okay. Never mind. It's a yeah. supernatural film. Gotcha. Pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. I've only seen it once, but it's not bad. Yeah. That it's just came out within the last year, right? It did. That's pretty new. Cool. Yeah. It's All one right. of the better Shudder originals that I've seen in a while, so. Well, way to give away your review. I didn't say how, where, you know, what kind of fuck it's going to be or anything like that. There's plenty of stuff I have to reveal. So I haven't even given you a reach around about the movie yet. So you're you're good to go. We will talk all about how it fucks next week. Mm. All right. If it fucks. Well, thank you, fellas, for discussing Scream 4. Um, This was a a great conversation. Um, Yeah. John, what do you want to say? Bob, where can we find you? Thank you so much for coming on, but where where can we find you? Yeah, thanks so much for having me on again, guys. I, I love chatting with you guys and any chance to talk about the Scream franchise, I'm going to jump on. So so thanks for having me on for this episode. Um, I'm my Bob. Head, uh, thank you, Hydraberg. I appreciate you. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm from the uh, Straight Chilling Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, we're... We're on all the social medias. If you just search straight chilling with a G at the end there podcast, you'll find us anywhere. Um, yeah. Thanks so much guys. It's been a, it's been a real, real pleasure chatting with all of you. Thank you, Bob. Yeah. If, if anybody out there is listening to us and you're not listening to straight chilling, like get on that, you need to be yeah. listening to straight chilling. Um, you will, I guarantee you will love it. Like, Bob, I want to thank you for being a friend. Traveling down the road and back again. <laughs> your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. I'm happy to be your Betty White. <laughs> Anytime. Oh you need my me. God. Too soon. Too soon. 
Uh, here's the we thing. Should have had some Is cheesecake. <laughs> Bob, Justin, and uh, Randy, Gandy, Gene, Landy uh, brought us together as a podcast. So thank you guys so much. Uh, we do owe everything to Straight Chillin' Podcast for bringing a cut above. And if you do listen to them, review. and you have not joined their Slack community, you should Correct. get on that because you're missing out on a huge portion <laughs> of that podcast if you're not in that Slack community. Yeah, we, we chat literally every day about all aspects about of life. so many things. Oh, yeah, obviously horror movies, of course, but like just, you know, what we made for dinner and like we should. And the networking, and by the way. Yeah. Jacqueline, we have not mentioned that you had an article published recently. I didn't get to read it today, but I will tomorrow. And I am so <laughs> proud of you. I forgive you. I know <laughs> that you're a writer and everything on the side, but thumbs up. Yeah, so I just uh, had a review of Possessor published on a brand new horror blog called Bizarro Magazine. So, And that's uh, headed up by a friend of ours as well named Jackie Baker. Slack through the slack yep and so she just this has been kind of a long work of progress for her it's kind of her baby she's been envisioning this blog for a long time and it is finally it has finally been birthed out into the world so it's at bizarromag.com so there's a couple of good pieces up there uh, she wrote an editorial piece about her top eight from last year and my review of possessors up there as well so if you're interested go check it out Awesome. That movie was dope, by the way. We covered that. <laughs> yes, that is a pre-recorded episode that one day will be released. I like how <laughs> Jackie B did her like MySpace top eight instead of the top ten, like everybody else does. Like, nah, right? I'll, I'll do top eight. And the like, blog looks pretty cool too. It's got it's yeah. pretty slick looking. It looks good. I know she worked really hard on it and learned a lot about web design. I'm happy so for her. Major props to her, and I I have a feeling that's just gonna keep rolling and and gain momentum as it goes I feel like so. 2022 is going to be a great year for a lot of people <clears throat> no doubt we can only hope especially hope this guy never right dies. Here. <laughs> hope does not die tonight so <laughs> oh my god <laughs> all evil right does. guys well <laughs> evil does but not hope so if you want to connect with us a cut above you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter at cut above horror you can follow us on instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review or you can follow us at facebook a cut above colon port review or wherever you listen to us on your podcast uh if you do listen to us on itunes give us the five star rating and on spotify so- now, and Spotify rate, now. You can read so, on Spotify thank you. also. Thank you so much. Yep. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. And for next week, make sure you go check out The Dark and the Wicked on Shutter, and then find us here in a seven days' time to hear our review. Keep it creepy. And until next time, don't forget to keep chilling.